Well, good morning. Uh, I want to join in welcoming you to this online service today, uh, particularly if this is your first time finding us here on the internet or if you're tuned in on the radio and you've been searching to reconnect with God. Um, over the last seven weeks, uh, here at Wodonga District Baptist Church, we've been looking at what happened when the Christian church began 2,000 years ago. And it's been fascinating to see and compare it with what the church is, has become today. It's been particularly impactful because we're in the middle of this new period um, when nearly every church needed to stop and reconsider what it means to be a community that follow Jesus, even when we can see, when we can't see each other face to face. I reckon some people will think this, that this time will cause the church some damage. Um, and I imagine there'll even be some people who hope that the restrictions uh, on people gathering will cause the church to die. There are certainly places around the world that have tried to kill the church in the, in the past. Uh, in fact, uh, the story I want to share with you today is one of the earliest examples of a government or a ruling body trying to suppress or kill off the church. So if you have your Bibles, uh, why don't you grab it and uh, read along with me. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts at, the, at chapter and verses 12 to 42. In the previous passages, uh, we've seen how the church was exploding in size. What started with just a handful of people in Jerusalem is now more than 5,000 that are believing in Jesus. That's more than 10% of the Jerusalem population. And this new community uh, are caring for each other, and caring for the, uh, for the needy, they're devoting themselves to the understanding of God's word and how Jesus is the fulfilment of the promised Messiah. And then it says here in verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All of the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Now, that's part of the temple complex. It's sort of off to the side. And no one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some as he passed by. You might remember from our previous weeks that Peter has taken this lead role in the group and has been healing people in Jesus' name. Anyway, the crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Let's just stop there for a moment uh, because that all sounds a bit strange. First it says that the believers were meeting together. Then it says nobody would join them. And then the very next comment is that more and more men and women were joining them. Um, so what's going on? Well, a bit like every other Bible passage, we should always consider the context of the passage. You see, 
Just before this, the author, Luke, tells us that a married couple tried to lie and pass themselves off as more righteous than they were. They were trying to big note themselves, really. Um, And when Peter tried to give them an opportunity to confess uh, the, the deception that they'd made, they denied the truth and God struck them both dead. All the people in the city and, uh, and around the area would have heard about this and, and the people were so worried, confused and scared. They would not want to join or associate with this new Jesus movement unless they were absolutely 100% committed and convinced of the truth. They wouldn't do it particularly if your life depended on it. Some recognised the power and the authority of the apostles and wanted to, uh, wanted, uh, just wanted to, a bit of the healing action that was going on. And, uh, they, but they were too frightened to actually join the group. But there were many who were convinced and committed, both men and women, were watching this new group, their actions and their teaching, and people were convinced by the disciples' message and they joined the believers despite the opposition of the town's leadership. Speaking of the city's leadership, the verses go on in number seven, uh, verse 17. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of Sadducees, and they were the ruling uh, religious political party, they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said. Tell the people all all about this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the the temple courts as they'd been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. But arriving at the jail, the officer did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. So Here it is pretty clear that even the temple guards knew how the townspeople uh, respected the disciples and they aren't going to mistreat these men. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince prince, 
and Saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who who obey him. Now when they heard this, they were furious. They wanted to put put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. He then addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and all his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census. He led a band of of people in revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origins, it will fail. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, I don't know if you can see it here, but this story just builds on the events that we've already looked at over the last seven weeks. We started looking at the mission that was given to the church by Jesus himself. And we saw the raising of new leaders, the power of the message given to the church. We saw how the devotion of the believers affected the work of the church and how it still can today. We saw how the church needs to be bold in the truth and generous in spirit as it continually points people to the saving work of Jesus. And now here in this story today, we can see all these things coming together as the new church picks up momentum, but it also collides with the resistance, uh, the resistant nature of the Sanhedrin authorities. This is the second time in this book that we've seen people brought before the Sanhedrin. The first time was in chapter 4 and uh, there it was just Peter and John that were questioned and let go with a pretty clear warning. In fact, in chapter 4.21, it says that they were threatened not to teach in Jesus' name. But here in chapter 5, things are ramping up. This time all the apostles were thrown in jail for the night because they were teaching again. It's incredible that despite the unexplained 
escape from prison. The chief priest and the captain of the temple guard are not really worried about, uh, are more worried about what it will lead to. I would have thought they would be asking, how did this happen and how did these guys escape? Anyway, the next day, the apostles are brought to the full meeting of the Sanhedrin. That's, that is 71 of the most powerful men in this land. And this time, they almost lose their lives. The Sanhedrin, they want to kill them. But instead, they were flogged and threatened before, being, before they were let go. Now, that flogging, that wouldn't have been a slap on the wrist. Uh, a flogging would have been absolutely brutal. It was designed to first make, you, make the apostles question if it was really all worth it. And there was no doubt it was also done to scare anyone thinking of joining them in this new Jesus movement. This event was also the second time that Peter stands up and gives a really clear uh, explanation of the gospel to these religious leaders. It's a second chance for them to see and accept the truth. It's amazing, you know, that these religious leaders, they've, they've heard Jesus teach about the need for forgiveness. They've seen Jesus heal, which demonstrated his power and authority. And they know that Jesus has escaped the grave. And now here, Jesus' disciples are teaching in the name of Jesus uh, a message of the forgiveness of sins. They are healing the sick in the power of Jesus' name. And they're even being released from captivity. And yet these men, the Sanhedrin, who are supposed to know the scriptures so well, they can't see it. They can't see the parallels or perhaps they refuse to see it. It's, um, the one standout, I suppose, though, is uh, if you want to call him that, is Gamaliel. This man is a Pharisee. He's a, a lawyer. In fact, he's a renowned lawyer, a professor of law. We know from a number of sources uh, uh, about this man. Firstly, yes, in this passage uh, where we see the respect and influence that he seems to wield um, despite being a Pharisee, which is one of the minority parties in the Sanhedrin. Then later in Acts in chapter 22, Paul is talking about his credentials and he, he sort of brags. He says he was trained thoroughly in the law by Gamaliel. That's like saying, I study mathematics under Isaac Newton at Cambridge. You know, it's pretty hard to top it. Even the Jewish Talmud uh, says that Gamaliel was given the title Prince and Master Teacher. And to this day, Jews still say that he was the greatest ever teacher of the law. In the Mishnah, it says that since Gamaliel died, there's been no reverence for the law and purity and piety died out at the same time. So this man's no deal. He is seriously committed to the scriptures. And a bit like the other, another well-known Pharisee, Nicodemus, um, I wonder if Gamaliel is beginning to see the truth in the message of the apostles.
Nonetheless, God uses him as a voice of moderation in the Sanhedrin. So the apostles are not killed, but they're severely whipped and let go. While I'm not sure I would have quite had the same response to being flogged as the apostles had, you know, walking away praising God, um, perhaps they were remembering what Jesus had said in the Sermon on the Mount. Back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, where it says, Blessed are you when people make fun of you or hurt you because of me. You're also blessed if they tell all kinds of evil about, lies about you because of me. Be joyful and glad. Your reward in heaven is great. The apostles' response demands an answer to this weighty question. Would I give up my life for Jesus? Am I more committed to him than to anything else? You know, it's a challenge for us, the current church, that in many ways we've gone soft, that we've lost the fire, we've become lukewarm. It challenges our commitment and our passion and our faith. If we believe the truth of Jesus and his complete saving and redeeming work, that it has the same power today as it did then. If we believe that the mission given to the church is the same today as it was then, and if we believe that the time for, for that mission is even more critical now than it was then, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, I hear people around the church saying that they want to be like the early, the early church in Acts. They want to see the Holy Spirit move and do amazing things again. They want to see an explosion in, the church, in church growth and they lament the fact that they don't see it. Well, I think if we've learned anything from the book of Acts so far, it's this. The unstoppable momentum of the early Jerusalem church can be attributed not only to the power of the Holy Spirit, but also to the passion for the truth of the gospel that they were, they were not about to deny it. They knew it was true. And then multiplying that truth with their dedication to the Great Commission of telling the world all about Christ. You know, often when I read a passage from the Bible like this one that we have today, I, I struggle to understand what God's trying to tell me. I've found that a useful tool is to put myself into the story and, and see who I am most like and who I would most like to be. And if today we've seen all sorts of people and we've heard the good news of Jesus. Some of the lives in this story were transformed and, and they found their own faith and decided to follow Jesus. And then there were those who wouldn't dare commit themselves because 
They were afraid of the persecution that might fall on them despite the fact that they could see the truth. There were people who were confused and fearful like the guard who was only worried about what might happen and and how it might impact his life. And what about the members of the Sanhedrin who absolutely refused to accept the gospel message and instead tried to stop the church? And also there was Gamaliel who seemed to sit on the fence and wait for more information. But then there were also the apostles who were completely committed, sold out to Jesus and the gospel, devoted to the scriptures and to prayer, and through whom the Holy Spirit was able to work so powerfully. I reckon that should be our aim and our prayer. If we want to know how to be the church, if we want to have the momentum of the early church and we want to see that we see in Acts, uh, then it will involve faith. It will involve a passion for the word, zeal for the gospel and movement to follow the Great Commission and all undergirded by prayer. You know, I really like the way our passage finishes today. It says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. In this period when our church is not able to join together as one large group, We can still be just like the early church. We can also, day after day, from house to house, never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news. Jesus is the Messiah. Why don't we pray right now that God will help us do just that? Won't you join me? Father God, we want to give you all of our worship and our praise that And we thank you for the salvation that we find in Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word and the way it moves us and encourages us to walk closer with you each day. Help us to be like the apostles, being obedient to your command of taking the good news to the world. We see the passion of the early church and and long for that same passion today. We, would, we want to be bold in sharing the gospel and devoted to you and your word, whatever the cost. Father, show us what it is to be your church when our idea of church has been stripped away. Show us how to be your hands and your feet to our neighbours and our colleagues. That we would be obedient, passionate, devoted faithful disciples of Christ and that in the power of the Holy Spirit we will carry the gospel with us wherever you lead us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.